Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm the host and the founder of Trapital. Dan Runcy. Today's episode is with 24K Golden, who is a chart-topping hip-hop artist behind big hits like Valentino and Mood. Mood was one of the biggest hits of 2020. That song was everywhere. And one of the biggest reasons is because of TikTok. We talked about how Golden leveraged TikTok and how the platform continues to change, but how he's been able to help stay ahead of the curve. We also talk about what it's been like to blow up in the middle of a pandemic. Golden obviously was successful with this given the success he had on TikTok. But when you blow up in the middle of the pandemic, you can't hear your music outside. You can't tour and some of those other things. But Golden was still able to take advantage of when we talk about some of the brand deals and features he was able to do to keep that going. And we also talked about how 24K Golden structures things from a business perspective. How does he look at his investments? How does he look at the record deals that he wants to sign? And who is he modeling his career after? And how does he want to look back on the business opportunities and the platform that he's built for himself years down the road? This is a special episode because this was actually the first Trapital podcast episode that I've recorded in person since the pandemic started. Golden is born and raised in San Francisco, so it was great to talk with him when he was back in his hometown visiting his family. Here's my conversation with 24K Golden. All right, we got 24K Golden here. San Francisco, born and raised. Feels good to be back, man. Feels good. You know, I always come back every couple months just to get some clarity and see the family and everything like that. That's what's up. And I feel for you, especially the past year, has just been so huge, right? Like, mood blows up, your platform blows up, but it's also in this pandemic and there's so much uncertainty with everything. Yeah. How's it been? Weird. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I think I've said this before, but like, Going through a global pandemic is very life-changing, and getting a number one song for eight weeks is life-changing. But to have both happen at the same time and kind of play off of each other is just like the most bizarre, best, worst, worst, best thing that could ever happen to you, I think. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you're also trying to, like, you have your own life and everything that you're doing there. And then people are hitting you up on this, like, superstar-type status because of everything you've achieved. And... It must be like this, like, jolt, right? Because so much happens instantaneously, so much happens now. Mm -hmm. Like, how is it being able to just navigate all of those types of changes? I mean, it just felt like I was getting a lot busier because I guess, yeah, people would would treat me with a a higher regard or it's more just like people will suck you more when when you're up, especially in L.A., for better or for worse. But I didn't really, like... I think get to fully reap the benefits of having in that number one song or not even fully reap the benefits, but fully understand like what that meant because of it happening in a vacuum. So really the only people that I was interacting with on a daily basis was my friends that I live with who also produced a song. So we we're all kind of in that together, which was nice, mm-hmm. but it was them, my managers, like Paperboy, and like my family who I talked to on the phone, but I didn't even really go see them that much during that time just because Every day was so jam-packed, busy. But I think it probably would have felt a lot different if it was a regular time of uh, the world when that happened. Right. Because then you could have seen what it was like for your music to be outside. You could have seen what that vibe. Yeah, and that's what really matters. Because I think when it's just numbers on the screen or stats and I got this many streams today, that I don't really know how to comprehend that. The brain doesn't know what 
3 million looks like or 3 million people looks like if you put them all into a room, right? But going outside to the park or whatever and hearing kids listening to your song or doing a show and having people sing the words back to you, that's just, those are the things that really impact and like make you feel like you're doing something that, that's adding value to the world. But I didn't get that. So it was kind of weird, yeah. Right. But it's like you and your team still tried to find some ways to capitalize on that momentum. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, of course. Brand partnerships and all of that. Yeah, so I did a bunch of brand partnerships. I just did some with Levi's recently, Starface, which kind of ties more into, I think, probably a later topic of just like investing in consumer products and stuff like that. But yeah, I did a lot of brand partnerships and virtual concerts, like virtual performances, college kids, like colleges would like book me on Zoom to do a show sometimes and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Mm. Did you like a lot of that stuff or were there some of that stuff you liked more? I, I like the fact that I could go do, for example, 10 interviews in an hour versus having to go to every single city and like meet with their radio station or something like that. So it allowed me to get a lot more done in less time. But at the same time, it's like I didn't get into this game to be on my laptop for three hours every day, just asking the same questions in 10 minute segments over and over again. I really want to go and see the world and, and travel, even if it's not the most efficient thing to do at the time. So it had its pros and cons for sure. Yeah, I can see that. I can imagine it's also pretty transactional too, to some extent, right? Like you're in this because you want to feel the music. You're not just trying to like make money. You want to be part of this. Yeah. Right? But so much of that online experience, even if you're getting paid, can feel very transactional. Yeah, because you don't get that. You don't get to feel that energy, you know? So it's like, well, I'm going to perform and. For me, I know there's people watching at home, so I'm going to give it my all regardless. But it's like I'm going to perform and I'm really just performing to this camera right here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like there's 100, 1,000, 10,000 people on the other end and they're going to give me some money. But it's like you really miss out on that, that human connection to a certain extent. Right. And I also saw you did some paid features, too. Right. Yeah. How's that? That's something I definitely wish. Maybe not. I I regret a little more just because there wasn't a lot of ways to make money in in the pandemic besides virtual performances, brand partnerships or paid features. And I'm like, well, this is the biggest moment of my career. I probably should take advantage of my of being so hot right now and make some money off of it. But looking back now, I, I think I use the money correctly, you know, and, and put it into the right places. But just like doing music that not doing it like the main reason why I'm doing it isn't because I fuck with this song. Or I fuck with this artist, but it's because I'm getting paid. Even if I do a good job and people like the songs, I'm not going to feel like like when I look back, like, ah, did I really have to do that? You know, mm-hmm. I'd ra- I would have rather just not gotten the money in, or gotten money doing something else. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. So are you one of those, like, you set your rate? Because I know that a lot of rappers, they'll, like, put, like, this is the rate out there. And I yeah. saw a rate quoted for you. What, what, what did the rate quote say? I saw 175. Oh, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, I've gotten that. Yeah, before. Okay, yeah. It's funny, though, because I feel like you have some of the rates out there, some of your peers do. And I think sometimes people hear these things and it can be a headline. And sometimes it lines up with what you may expect for that artist, but sometimes it doesn't. But I think at the core, we do remember, like, there is feeling behind this. And some of your features you're most proud of may not even be those that cost. The most money, exactly. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I just, I never put that out there on camera before my rate. And I think if people knew I got 175 before, they'd be like, mind blown. Because you have, like, Polo G or Lil TJ, who are very big and well-respected rappers in their own in their own right, in their own sense, say 100, and people go crazy. But I think people kind of uh, 
underestimate like the global impact I have because Mood was a way bigger song globally than it was in the U.S. So I think that's what people get for that extra 75 or something like that. (laughs) And let's talk about Mood because I think one of the reasons it blew up the way it did and was global was because of TikTok. And then a lot of it was organic just given your talents, but there's a lot of work that was put into as well. Yeah. Talk about some of that partnership with TikTok, what that looked like. I mean, I've been benefiting and using and advocating for the TikTok platform since like summer 2019, because that's when Valentino first blew up. So once then that happened on accident, I didn't really have any any part in that or, or pushing anything or making videos really at that point. So I was like, if this can happen on on accident, this can happen on purpose. So that's when I I did my thing with City of Angels and, you know, met up with influencers and paid people and had them do a dance and make a remix of the song to blow that song up. But Mood was kind of like, I would call it like a hybrid effort because I was working on it and my people's like, you know, Brandman, Sean, Michael Oy, they were working on it too, people that I directly had connections with. But the label was like TikTok team also really helped a lot in starting this one out by finding the person and telling them like how to make the dance and stuff like that. And it kind of started with that dance, but from there it just took off because people liked the song so much that you can use it for anything, not just that one trend necessarily. Yeah. And I think you saw that too, just with how much it was able to capture and everything. And I think after you blown up, people now understand the mechanics of how TikTok works in general. And I think we've seen the other side of it too with artists on TikTok or TikTok creators rather that are like, no, we're not doing this. We don't want our stuff to be copied by the other people. And that's a whole ecosystem. Wait, what's that? So there was this thing where I think it was Addison Ray. She was on Jimmy Fallon and she was like doing a bunch of these dances, right? And a bunch of those dances were dances that people had first seen created by Black TikTok. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they were just like, what the hell? How does she get on Jimmy Fallon and we don't? Yeah. So then Meg Thee Stallion had one of her songs that she put out and Meg was expecting the TikTok machine of Black creators to put Make it on. The dances but the thing is they put it on and then the white creators see what they do and then follow. Yeah. And then they were like, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're going on strike. It yes. was this news thing maybe like a month or two ago. I feel like I saw something about that. That's mad interesting because I remember that's not the first time that happened too. There was like the girl who made the the renegade dance or whatever. She was like an eight-year-old black girl or something like that and nobody gave her any sign. Mm-hmm. And then someone else got big for doing that and then they eventually like collab with her and brought her out to nba all-star weekend and stuff like that but it's like can't they just get the the credit from the beginning so i, I get that yeah yeah but tiktok's definitely changed i mean it gets harder and harder to blow up just off that every day because when i first was doing it it was like a five-lane freeway with eight cars on it there was only like eight other people that was really hip to how much power you could have pushing music on there so whenever we try to get somewhere, we can get there way faster, way easier, way more direct. But now all the labels and management and everybody caught on. So they'll make these watered down trends and, and just spend money trying, hoping and thinking that that's going to make it work. But now, so now it's like a freeway that's all traffic jammed up and you can't really get to where you need to go at all, maybe. Or if you can, it's going to take way longer and a lot more gas, a lot more money. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the way for a lot of these platforms. We saw that with SoundCloud. We're seeing that now with TikTok. Yeah. And how has that changed things for you? Because you obviously benefited from seeing what it was like for Valentino and Mood. Now everyone's caught on. How are you approaching it differently? 
I mean, at this point, I don't necessarily need TikTok anymore to still have a career and to still have big songs. You know, I've been able to build up a fan base of people that they enjoy my my music, but also just me as a as a whole person and as an artist. And I'm still gonna go in there because it's like if it works, don't turn your back on it. And I still do have a big fan base on there and I'm gonna still push my songs on there. But I think people forget that it's not just TikTok that blows things up really to that level. It's a combination of social media, of you know, your cult fan base pushing it, of playlist, of is the video fire, you know, is there any other moments around it? What's your live shows like? So at this point, it's just like, I'm just gonna make good music and I'm gonna give every song a chance on TikTok. But if it doesn't work there, I know that. I could do this song at a festival and perform it so crazy that 100,000 people are going to go home the next day and be like, yo, what was that? I didn't even realize he had that song or I didn't even realize that song could sound like that or sounded like that. Hmm. And I think that's key and relevant for things I've heard you say before. People try to label you as a TikTok rapper, TikTok artist. Yeah. People used to say the same thing about when you were on SoundCloud. Exactly, yeah. And you're making it clear, like, no, I'm not just making music for this particular medium. I am an artist. It can span across so many of these. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that is how you can distinguish yourself because I'm sure you're probably also keeping an eye on what is that next thing going to be because given where you are, you also want to be early on that to some extent too. I feel like there's only going to be so many things. Yeah, I mean, whether it's like a, a metaverse or what, where you could listen to music or I, I don't know, whatever it's going to be next, I'm just trying to be one of the first on there. I could definitely see you in a Fortnite or Roblox type of thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, yo, that's crazy. I don't think anyone would have thought Two years ago, that Fortnite or Roblox would have a, a, a big part in in music nowadays. Or like, like I remember, like the GTA Five radio could mm. blow up songs from back in the day. You know, like there was like that one game Kendrick Lamar song that I feel like a lot of people got put onto by GTA Radio, or like the new Two K soundtracks, for example. So there's so many places and, and avenues and routes you could take to get your music heard nowadays. Yeah, that's a good point because I think about, that's something I think gets overlooked even about the past too. I remember when I was younger, you had one of those uh, GTA games. I think it was the Vice City one. And yeah. You had all of that like 80s music. Yeah. And then right around then they had a whole bunch of like Scarface anniversary stuff that was happening in pop culture. And mm-hmm. this was also the time of Cribs when every rapper was like, oh, I got the bottle of Chris and I got the Scarface phone. Yeah. So it all came together in this moment. So that's a really good point about how video games have always been influential and now we're really just starting to tap into it exactly yeah yeah and like the type of kids that's gonna listen to underground music or up-and-coming music or hip-hop pop whatever it is those are the same kids that are playing these Fortnite things so the more you could just kind of be involved in that ecosystem in that world i think the better Mm. and i think the good thing for you too is that you are spanning genres with the type of music that you create too i think especially with el dorado you're mixing in rock in there and yeah. you had interest in that. But I think with that, that gives you more flexibility to be able to have the type of partnerships in different platforms as opposed to someone that's a bit more focused in a clear lane. Yeah. I mean, just, I just like making good music. I think back before, like when you probably were going up and you wanted to buy a CD, you was like, all right, I'm got to buy one CD. Don't want to buy the rock CD. Don't want to buy the rap CD. I want to buy the R and B CD. And you kind of really had to choose a side. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays, kids can go on YouTube, they can go on Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever, Apple Music, and they can listen to any type of music they want. So yeah. people are, are, their tastes are more broad, their horizons are wider. So 
if you like good music and if you grew up the way I did listening to everything, you're going to resonate with the artists that can make all these different types of musics more because it's like, you're like, oh, this person is multidimensional. He's not just a one trick pony. And I think that that keeps people constantly interested because it's like, well, what is he going to do next? Is it maybe he'll do a reggae song next? Who knows? Right. And I think especially for you, there are a few big monumental artists that we saw be much more creative, whether we're seeing what Young Thug is doing or we're seeing what Cuddy or Kanye or Lil Wayne, like so much experimentation is there. So in some ways there is a roadmap, but you also get to have your own spin on it. They're not doing it how you did it with El Dorado. Yeah. I feel like with those artists, they kind of took a bunch of different sounds and, and combined them. Whereas I was like attacking different sounds, like fully, kind of like committed to them but now i think with that with that ep dropped out of college and with el dorado that was very experimental in a non-experimental way Mm -hmm. and now that i feel like i've kind of gotten a grip on all these different types of music now lately with the new music i've been making is experimenting trying to throw in these different sounds and blend them together even more and more and more and, and go left where people are going right who are your inspirations right now I mean, I don't know. I got like the most eclectic music taste in the world. Like if you look at my my playlist, you'll see like like the Commodores and then like Pooh Shiesty right after and then like Kid Cudi, like deep cut off of like Speed and Blood to Heaven or something like that. So I just really, really listen to everything and just whatever life puts in front of me. Right. And I feel like I've noticed that too, just even outside of music, what inspires you from a business perspective, right? Like you've said, no, I'm looking at what Will Smith is doing. I'm looking at what Steve Jobs is doing. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I mean, it's like you got to constantly innovate to be in, to make it in this game nowadays. I think back in the days, there was so many less artists, right? So if you got put on in the mainstream, you was basically guaranteed a couple of years, at least if you didn't like quit or go to jail or have some other unfortunate situation. So now it's just like, so many artists to pick from that you can easily get tired if something stops becoming interesting. And the way I came into the game was innovating, you know, making music that didn't sound like my peers, you know, helping to define a new sound, taking non-traditional marketing approaches. So I feel like I got to kind of keep doing that and always be on the tip of what's coming next to stay relevant and stay at the top. So in terms of that, I'm glad you mentioned the non-traditional marketing approaches, because obviously I know we both know brand man, Sean. He's yeah. big on that stuff. He's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you keeping on lock with that? How are you staying on top of everything? I mean, once you kind of break through, it's a lot easier to, I think, keep people engaged because you don't have to hook as many people. You already got their attention. So you just got to be consistent and show some sort of growth, right? So before, like... When I was in college, I used to have these stickers, right, that looked like a pop-up ad on a porn website. It said, this ugly son of a bitch is respecting super hot chicks. How? Just listen. And then it was my SoundCloud link. And I would put my a picture of my face on there, and I'd throw them up everywhere. And that was a real good hook because people were like, wait, is this a pop-up ad in real life? And <laughs> is this a real person right here? And, but it's a SoundCloud ad? So it was like, it would fuck people's heads up and get them interested. But now... I think I've already got a lot of eyes on me and a lot of attention. So what people really want to see is, okay, well, we like you already. So what are you doing every day? So one thing I've been doing lately is vlogs that just are kind of clips and moments from performances, studios, just hanging out, traveling, and letting people get a look at the life. So it's not to get them to notice me now. It's to get them to to really feel me and feel what my energy is and what I'm about and what I what I bring to the table more than just musically. 
Yeah, the video thing is key because, I mean, you have an engaging personality. People want to connect with that. You give them so much visually through being able to rise on something like TikTok. And there's just so many platforms to be able to do that. Yeah, I think you just got to keep it going and spread it as much as you can and just be consistent. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about your investing a bit because mm-hmm. I know we are going to get into that. Yeah. And you've been big open talking about crypto, Bitcoin, and how early you were in terms of just hearing about a lot of that, which I always thought was impressive. I yeah. mean, just being able to get in on it early. What does that look like now? I mean, now it's like, it's cool because I feel like I know what to do with my money in a certain sense. I'm not the type to go out and buy uh, an expensive car unless I can write it off on my taxes or or just blow all my money on jewelry. Like you see me right now, I got something from Etsy, some opals from Etsy, a beaded necklace my cousin made me and like two small, small chains. One was given to me. So I'm putting my money instead of here, I'm putting it in consumer product companies, into index funds, into cryptocurrency, into just regular stocks as well, too, into sports cars. And, like, like I got, like, a LeBron James rookie card I'm probably going to hold on to for 20 years. That's what's up. And, and just, you know, kind of believing that if I put my money in these places now and don't really think about it and quell my desires to have a, a overly lavish lifestyle immediately, then... I'll be very, very happy in that time period and see how my money has grown and be able to provide for my family and my future generations, hopefully indefinitely. Yeah. The sports card thing is big. Yeah. Which I fully didn't get at first, too. But then I kind of somebody explained it to me like, well, think about like stamps or something like that. It's a piece of history. You know, it it really represents a a specific time period and Mm -hmm. what we found important in that time period. And it's like. The, the card I have is a LeBron James rookie card, fresh out of high school. He didn't even have uh, his first NBA season on there yet. So it was just like, this card represents the potential of LeBron James. And after everything he's accomplished, you know, let's say 50 years down the line, that card is going to be worth a lot of money because it, mm-hmm. it it represents like a time period. We're probably not even going to make trading cards anymore. And that'll just be like a historical relic. Yeah. And with him too, especially given everything that he's been doing in business, I mean, there's rumors of his Spring Hill being valued at $750 million. Yeah. He continues to succeed. That just pegs to the overall value of that card. It reminds me of um, something I heard in an interview, Alexis Ohanian, Serena Williams's husband. He was, I guess, convincing her to be like, hey, we need to buy this rookie card of yours. And she was just like, what? Like, why? Yeah. Please just trust me to do it. And he's like, this is the kind of thing we can like set aside. That can be our thing that, you know, our children's children can reap the rewards of because we're going to. That could pay the college tuition, you know, two generations down the line or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Facts. Yeah. So you mentioned consumer products, and I know that a lot of rappers themselves have been getting on cap tables. They have been making angel investments, too. Yeah. I feel like it's only a matter of time until we see your name come up in a lot of those. You, I might be in a couple of decks, you know. Okay. Uh, we'll see. But really, I think that there's a gap that doesn't really make sense, right? Because if artists have this influence, right? and you're trying to start a product and it's a quality product that can genuinely help people, why would you not give the artist some equity in exchange for promoting the product? Because most artists, when they get paid to do something, it's like, I don't even really give a fuck about this. I'm just doing this for the bag. I'm going to make my Instagram posts and delete them and that'll be it. But if you give the artist equity, they have a vested interest in the long-term success of this brand or this company because now the better it does, the more money they're going to make over time. 
And most of these things are a couple years period. So they're going to be more incentivized to promote the product regularly and organically and put other people onto it in their real life because it's something they actually enjoy, they actually use. And if it does well, they win. So my my management kind of introduced me to that new business model. And uh, with through them, I've invested in a couple of different companies like Poppy, the probiotic, prebiotic sodas that are like five calories, three grams of sugar, like this plant company called Neverland, which is like a tech company that hopes to be like the Amazon, but just for plants and specifically uh, Starface, which does those stickers for your acne with the stars on them, like and a couple other ones, too. But it's all things I genuinely like and believe in. And I have no problem promoting them or performing at an event because it's like, yo, if this goes well for you. This goes well for me. So let's do it. Right. That makes sense. Like. One, you want to be able to have the things that, from your fans' perspective, they would feel like is golden naturally going to yeah. wear this or rep this, even if he wasn't being paid. Yeah. Like, you want to feel like it's that connection. And then if it's there and people have that feeling, it's even better for you. It's better for their brand. Yeah. And, yeah, I hear you. It's like so much of it could be transactional. No, build with this company long term. And I think especially now in the social media, where we've seen the power of what people like yourself can have a they're growing their following and all the things that you can do. I still don't feel like people have like tapped into that aspect of what influence can look like. Mm, yeah. What does that look like to you being used to, to the fullest extent? I think the fullest extent that we are seeing is an example, honestly, like what LeBron is doing now, mm. right? You're having all of these deals and endorsements and you're able to have equity in sports teams like the Boston Red Sox. You're able to have, feature like blockbusters where you're at the center of it and yeah. your association with something can maximize. Yeah. Not everything is going to be a hit or a success, but you being able to just do that and have that influence, I think is key. And that's why I think they said, yeah, he was the first athlete while in sports to have generated a billion dollars. I think I saw that stat. Yeah. Like, that's impressive. And if he continues, that's only going to grow. So I think that's probably at least right now, one of the highest. And I think, you know, you could also throw in there, what Rihanna's doing right now. I mean, for real, somebody. it's like a whole new generation. Like Jay Z, obviously billionaire, Kanye billionaire, but like LeBron and Rihanna and who else is who else is coming up crazy right now? Yeah, so I think right now Travis Scott probably soon. Yeah, he did really well last year, especially with all those partnerships. And yeah, I mean, you still got like Diddy there. That's still yeah. you know not too far behind. I mean, Ciroc's doing well, but I think what I've realized is that. And I think you obviously see it too. It's like music is a great and tremendous platform. But if you become a billionaire off of music, you're most likely going to be someone like a David Geffen or someone yeah. like that that just owns the company selling these products. Yeah. Right? Or you own the assets in some type of way. You doing it yourself, you need to have some type of business where you are selling some type of product that people are bought into. Yeezy, Fenty, yeah. Ace of Spades, you know, all of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I seen a statistic yesterday. T-Pain was talking about, like, the music industry made $17 billion and 12% went to the artists, which, mm-hmm. okay, that's about a little over a billion dollars. But think how many artists are total and think about the top 10% probably took, like, 80 75% of that $1 billion. Right. Right? So it's hard to make it just off the music. Mm-hmm. It's wild, right? And, I mean, I'm sure some of this, too, and even here is what you've done with some of your deals, how I know they wanted to sign you to the long-term deal mm-hmm. when you first started out. And you were like, no, less money up front. Let me build things up. So I'm sure you're probably thinking about this often when, you know, it's time to re-up. 
Yeah, I mean, because if they wave a big number in your face, it can be hard to say to say no sometimes. But it's just like knowing that is what I'm giving up worth this amount of money because. Hey, you could take a million dollars and, you know, through your business or investment or whatever other opportunities you get, turn that into two, three, four million dollars. And that that would be great. But, you know, you could also just kind of spend it and have it not work out and be locked into five more albums, for example. And now you're like, well, I'm not going to see another big check for maybe 10, 15 years with five more albums. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like betting on yourself has risks. I mean, like I know that especially in the internet era, everyone wants to celebrate the no, you know, never do a deal, own everything, do this, do that. Like I get it, but there is nuance and trade-offs and yeah, unless you have that check in front of you, you really don't know what it feels like and you know what it feels like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm definitely happy with the lengths of everything that I've set up for me now because the way things are now, in the next couple of years, I could be out of everything. And once you're out of everything, that gives you just the opportunity to go somewhere else and get a big, big check, especially after everything that I've proven I could do from the beginning of my career to now. Mm. So let's say you're in that situation a few years from now, you get to call the shots. What does the ideal mix, not just within music, but within everything else? Like, what are you doing? Ideally, I've leveraged everything else up, my investments, you know, my acting, my merch, everything else around that. So it's like, I don't even need the money from music. So if y'all want to have the rights to sell my music, the terms have to be so crazy or the money has to be so crazy that I can't say no because I I could just be independent at this point, you know, and I already have a, a fan base that would be large enough by that time, ideally, so that I wouldn't have to rely on crazy playlisting or something like that. I just know that if I tour, fans are going to show up. Know that if I drop music, somebody's going to listen to it, and I got all these other things going on at the same time. I hear that. Quick note, because you mentioned playlisting. Do you still feel like now that's something that you're relying on a lot? Yeah, I think every big artist relies some part on playlisting because that's how, that's the new radio in a sense. You know, if you're not on the the hottest playlist, you're not going to get new ears on your on your music and in a way it's even better than radio because you can directly go from where you're listening to the song to oh who is this what other songs do they have that they like okay i'm a fan now versus radio you might just hear a song and not know who it is or be harder to to discover from there so it's like playlisting definitely helps everybody if you're prioritized on there Mm -hmm. and i think that's still one of the things that does get i think a little bit missing from the narrative of who you're going to sign with like are you not going to sign because you know, whether it's that or even with music festivals, which I think is another aspect of this, that is one of the benefits where you do have that. And obviously it's a trade-off. People don't have to, but that is one of the things that you can obviously get. And it does make it, it's not impossible, but it does just make it a little more challenging if you don't have it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the best the song did for me without playlisting was City of Angels, which because the label didn't believe in it at all uh, at first. They didn't get any playlisting, and it got to a point where I had rented up on TikTok to doing like 962,000 streams a day on Spotify alone with zero, with not on a single editorial playlist. So then I posted that on my Instagram, and then it, it made them look crazy because like, how do you have this song that's doing damn near a million streams a day, and y'all don't have it on any playlists? And then they added it to all those playlists after, and it definitely helped boost it up. But that definitely, I agree with your point. You don't need playlisting if you can get your music popping through another source. Mm. But it definitely can help, especially if your music is popping through another source. The playlisting will just add on to that further. Yeah, definitely. 
and touring too and you know with festivals and all that yeah you must be excited now you get to capitalize that and that not only from a money perspective but you get to be outside and hear how your music brings yeah i mean we just did a uh, Lollapalooza a couple weeks ago with me i popped out my brother ian set and uh that was our first time doing mood together first time doing it live and it was just like looking out into the crowd and like seeing people smiling and like hearing them sing all the words back i was like oh shit we, we we actually did something here, you know. Yeah. This this feels real now. Was, yeah. That was really cool. Nice. And now you got the, when does the tour officially start? November November second. Yep. Nice. And then you got outside lands before that, so you'll be back here. Yeah, I'll be back in the bay. Yeah. That's gonna be a full circle because I remember sneaking into outside lands when I was like sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who performed that year that you stuck in? Uh, who even performed? I think I just wanted to turn up with my friends, but I was at yeah. home looking at Snap Maps. Seeing everybody clustered there, I'm like, yeah, I, I need to go. I need to get in there. Yeah. I can't even remember. It's a good time. I think the first time I had um, went, or at least was there, because the first year I moved here, Kanye. Had oh, yeah. I think it was that year. That was huge. Wow. Yeah. What year was that? I think it was 2014. Yeah, that's all yeah. right. Yeah. That was like the same year that, like, apparently Macklemore performed there before he even had a, a big song or something like that. Someone told me that. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's wild. Yeah, but that's what's up, man. It's good. It's good that you'll be back here. I'm sure that must feel special to be able to perform in the city in your hometown. Oh yeah, and probably have after party after going crazy. Like the city can be very dry, but at a time like outside land, I feel like that's when everybody energy comes out. So I just fully want to capitalize on that and just keep keep the the spirits high and the vibes going as long as we can. That's what's up. Well, Golden, this is dope, man. I'm glad you could come through. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate your time. Of course, man. All right, before we let you go, anything else you want to plug let the Trap audience know about? We got tour, TV show, festival. Buy some tickets. Buy some more tickets to tour. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Love you guys. (laughs) Got listeners everywhere. Yeah. For sure. Cool. Batman. Dope. Good stuff. All right. you enjoyed this podcast go ahead and share it with a friend copy the link text it to a friend post it in your group chat post it in your slack groups wherever you and your people talk spread the word that's how trapolo continues to grow and continues to reach the right people and while you're at it if you use apple Podcasts, go ahead rate the podcast give it a high rating and leave a review tell people why you like the podcast that helps more people discover the show thank you in advance talk to you next week 